Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. So we have a group called No Labels that says we don't believe in labels. Is it their title, No Labels, Mr. Producer? I think it is. Now, we have a lot to talk about, but I want to address this for a minute. I watched this Larry Hogan and these others, this guy John Huntsman, Manchin, and they're being pushed by the media, too. The media have been trashing Trump. They've been trashing DeSantis. My theory there, frankly, is they want to cripple DeSantis and then take out Trump and open the field for a more moderate Republican, whomever that may be. That's my theory. And I believe it's true. And some suckers in in the various aspects of the party uh, are falling all over it. They're falling for it. But this whole thing about no labels. They talk about we need to find common ground. We need to find common ground. America expects us to get things done. I take the completely opposite point of view. Common ground with who? For what? I have nothing in common with Joe Biden's agenda. Open borders, undermining police, choking the military. I have nothing in common with this agenda. Destroying women's sports. Their agenda is a radical Marxist agenda. Common ground? Bipartisanship? Republicans are always suckers for this kind of thing, aren't they? Common ground on critical race theory? Democrat Party supports it. Common ground on sexualizing our children? Well, that's the teachers' unions, and they're an appendage of the Democrat Party. The war on... Catholics, the war on pro-lifers? I have anything in common with that. The Democrat Party's trying to monopolize our entire political system. As communist parties do. As fascistic parties do. Oh, they want you to believe there's competition for elections. They don't mind a completely impotent Republican Party out there. You see them in various states. But that's not what we want. Common ground with our own destruction? Common ground with a party that's trying to destroy the Supreme Court? Common ground with a party that's trying to destroy the Electoral College so they never lose an election? Common ground with a party that trashes our founders? With a party that hates the Constitution? Common ground? This is what you get from the Larry Hogan's and the Asa Hutchison's, the Chris Christie's, the Chris Sununu's. 
you get a continuation of the same. It's not as in your face. It's not as aggressive. But it's the same. They don't want to engage in the culture wars. Well, we're in a culture war. We either fight back or we lose. We lose our classrooms. We lose our children. We lose our language. We lose our liberties. What do you mean you don't want to engage in it? We have to engage in it. We have to win it. So if you're dealing with a political party that hates America, that has hated America almost since its inception, that hated America so much it led a civil war against the country to defend slavery. It spent a hundred years after the Civil War trying to block the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, trying to block equality and due process. I have nothing in common with this. It wasn't that long ago when the Democrat Party was pushing eugenics, especially for black people. Margaret Sanger. Hillary Clinton got the Margaret Sanger Award. She was very proud of it. She was a racial eugenicist. And gave a speech to the Klan in the South. Why are we celebrating that? What's the common ground? And what is the Democrat Party today? Promotes a Marxist agenda. Wants to centralize all decision-making in Washington. Wants to decide what kind of products you can own, what kind of services you can have, what kind of life you're going to live, whether you're going to be destitute or not, inconvenienced, quality of life, declining, common ground. You and I, we stand for liberty. That's our common ground. For this, we're called right-wingers and extremists by those who don't. We stand for a little our republicanism, constitutional republicanism. They don't. They don't. We stand for a man being a man and a woman being a woman. They don't. We stand for a free press. They stand for a state-run press. So this whole idea of common ground and bipartisanship, oh, it sounds so swell, but it's a ruse. It's a ruse. And we lose every time. And we cannot let the usual establishment Republicans, the rhinos, the frauds, fakes, and the phonies, we cannot allow them to use this kind of, you know, propaganda about common ground and bipartisan. What that's what the voters want. The voters want, if it's presented to them properly, at least most of us, to be left alone. To buy whatever kind of car we want. To raise our children, not with a village or a teacher union in the way. We want people to be able to have free speech on the internet. We want experts to be able to provide us with their best information. We don't want equity 
Equality is what we want. And we want liberty. Common ground, let me be very clear about this. We must obliterate the Democrat Party, not appease it. It is the enemy, like any other enemy. But it's a more dangerous enemy. It's a more complex and daunting situation. Because within the United States, it uses liberty to destroy liberty. It uses the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. It uses the wealth and prosperity created by capitalism to empower government and destroy capitalism. It's the enemy. There is no common ground. Unless you're prepared to surrender and have some surface level accommodationist viewpoint of that enemy. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm very realistic. I am very practical. But Mark, you're a conservative activist. And what does that mean? It means I believe in our country, in our founding, in our founding document, the Declaration, in our founding governing document, the Constitution. I believe in these things. I mean, it's what all Americans should believe in. So no labels, they say. No labels. They want to take out DeSantis, and they're working very hard on this. In other words, they want to weaken him and cripple him. They want to take out Donald Trump and imprison him before we even get to vote. It's essentially what the prosecutor said to the court last week. No, we don't want to move the election till after, excuse me, the prosecution until after the election. Well, they seek to put Trump in prison. So they want to put him in prison while the election's going on. Can you make common ground with that? Of course not. So I have a completely different view of the situation and what must be done. Republican establishment wants to be called bipartisan, even if it means sitting back and watching the destruction of America. It's appeasement. And we've had enough of it. These are quizlings. What's that, Mark? Google it. We need patriots. We need statesmen. We need leaders. We need people who are going to speak out. That's what we need. So when you look at these Republicans running, put aside all the propaganda, and by that I mean even from the other campaigns, the personal attacks, this is all done because each one of them wants to win. But you need to take a sober look at each one of these people. Not what they tell you to look at, but what you decide to look at. And you need to make a, a decision. Who's capable of saving this country? And who will say one thing and then sell us out the next day? If we don't win this election, and then immediately thereafter set our sights on neutralizing the Democrat Party, uh, the future's dim. 
The Democrat Party, as I said to you, is more than a party. It's more than a political party. It's more than a cultural party. It is the government party. Or as I call it, the state party. Backed by the state media. Backed by the massive, indestructible, it seems, administrative state. These are all the signs and characteristics of totalitarianism. So I thought I would lay that out, make it clear. It'll all be, it is all in the book. The Democrat Party Hates America. This isn't about making some kind of superficial arrangement with them. They have no interest in that. They're trying to destroy us. They call you names. They hate your faith. They're destroying the nuclear family. I mean... How much more of this we're going to take? No labels. No, we need labels. Right from wrong, good from evil, liberty versus tyranny. No, we need labels. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Welcome, my fellow Americans. These are very, very dark days for those of us who care about liberty. Not even politics, not even the parties. These are very, very dark days. You are staring tyranny in the eye. You, you, my listeners. This country is fundamentally transforming, as the Democrats have wanted, away from a constitutional republic, an understandable, equally applied rule of law, in which the Democrat Party seeks to monopolize politics, the government, and to use the iron fist of federal law enforcement against those who do not buckle. We've never been here before, we Americans. We've never done this to each other. That's why when we hear this no labels group or can't we get along or bipartisanship or common sense and common ground, there can be no, none of that when they're trying to put people in prison. Let's start from the beginning, and then we will 
Spend some time on this, America. January 6th. We know what took place on January 6th. But the Democrats have been trying to tie this to Donald Trump. And they've tried to concoct laws or inferences from laws to apply against him. He's the only top-level individual in Washington, D.C. on July, excuse me, on January 4th, who suggested that the mayor of Washington, that the Speaker of the House, might want him to send in the National Guard to protect the building on January 6th. That should have been the beginning and end of this thing. It was turned down by the Democrats. We have no idea what Mitch McConnell did, and Mitch McConnell is not even talking today. Why? Because Mitch McConnell supports all of this. That's why. And so what this prosecutor is doing is unheard of. What the Biden administration is doing is unheard of. Let me explain this in some detail. The Constitution sets forth the mechanism for choosing electors for president and vice president. Not the executive branch, for sure. Not the sitting president, for sure. There is no Department of Justice in the Constitution. There is no U.S. Attorney in the Constitution. None of that. They hadn't even created them yet. But they did create this government, and the election process is a purely political process. And so, if a political party is duking it out in a state, and that political party sees a close election, and after the votes are quote-unquote counted after weeks of delay and harvesting and all the rest. And the party that is behind by 10,000 votes, 12,000 votes, 5,000 votes, feels that in the end, they will succeed. They are free to send a slate of electors to the archivist of the United States who holds them until under statute January 6th, at which time they, along with the other party's electors, perhaps certified by the state, perhaps certified by the Secretary of State and the governor, are sent to a joint meeting of Congress. And it's up to Congress to sort this out. Congress can easily say, no, those other electors are out. No, we accept the results in this state or that state. No, that's out. That's gone. That's been done in the past. It was done in 1960 in Hawaii. It's been done in other states. Almost done in Florida in 2000 as a result of what the, Demo- the uh, Democrats were doing. There's nothing criminal about it. There's nothing devious about it. There's nothing illegal about it. You're not obstructing 
an election. You're not obstructing a result. You're not obstructing Congress. Congress will make the determination on what to count, what not to count, which is exactly what Congress did. The process is not supposed to be criminalized where a single grand jury in Washington, D.C., being fed one-sided arguments by a special counsel appointed by the party in power, by a prosecutor who's threatening lawyers and threatening witnesses with charges, with long-term sentences if they don't, if they don't buckle under, as if that's the pursuit of justice and punishing wrongdoing. What you are watching today is an insurrection. It's a war on the voting system. It's a war on the Constitution. It's a war on the Republican Party and, of course, on Donald Trump. If they get away with this, the country will never be the same, ever. The challenging of elections occurs all the time, and not just in court. All the time. And it's up to Congress to sort it out. That's what the Constitution says. Congress has the final say. Congress can throw out electoral college votes willy-nilly if it wants to. These battles have been fought, especially early in our history. We also have Democrats in 2004, and I wish the Bushies and the Rhinos and the Never Trumpers would comprehend this, who sought to prevent... George Bush's re-election, as they did in 2000, when the Supreme Court had to step in and stop the Florida Supreme Court from trying to steal the election from Bush and give it to Gore. 2004, George Bush won Ohio by a fairly substantial amount, but the Democrats... They went to the floor of the House, which is where these meetings are held, given that that is a larger area than on the Senate. And perhaps up to three dozen of them challenged the election, starting with Ohio, among them Jamie Raskin, among them Benny Johnson, January 6th committee members. They wanted to reverse the election. They wanted the Ohio electors thrown out. They failed. Were they prosecuted? Were they investigated? Of course not. Well, Mark, that's the system that's set up. Well, the system that is set up is the same system that these other legislatures or the Republican Party was using in these other states. The same system. Just a different way of challenging it. Ultimately, Congress has the say. A grand jury does not have a say. A U.S. attorney does not have a say. The Attorney General of the United States for the opposition party does not have a say. The executive branch has no say. None. False electors, fake electors to give it the tinge of 
criminality. Congress is meeting. If they believe that these are false electors or fake electors, then they don't count them. If there's competing lists of electors from a state, then they choose one over another, they choose neither. That's how it works. So they try and muddle the water. That Donald Trump in a speech incited violence. Then why isn't Schumer in prison? And he was inciting violence against the Supreme Court. In fact, why aren't all the leftists in prison when they're inciting violence against justices, against their own country? Why is there a crime tape around the DNC and Hillary Clinton's house and Bernie Sanders' house? Nobody who objected in 2000 or 2004 was investigated. And they, inve- and they objected in 2016, too, to Donald Trump. They tried to throw out legitimate electors. But that's okay. They followed the law when they raised their objections, and their fellow members of Congress turned them down. That's exactly how it works under the Constitution without the statute. That is, Congress has the final say. The framers could not possibly have dreamt that something called a federal prosecutor and a grand jury where witnesses and and potential defendants aren't even allowed to have lawyers present would make determinations in lieu of the full Congress meeting on January 6th. Be very interesting to see what this fool prosecutor has pulled together. And I want you to understand something. He's the ugly face of all this. It's Mr. Magoo, the phony attorney general, and his comrades, his radical left-wing Obama comrades in the assistant attorney general slots, the deputy attorney general, associate attorney general slots, who are sitting down like a shadow Politburo, secret Politburo, making these decisions. And self-righteously saying to themselves, we have to uphold the law, you know. We've got to do what's right. We've got to do what's right. It doesn't matter that he's running for the president. We cannot be intimidated. We must go forward. The Marxists slash fascists in the Department of Justice. And the timing of the letter that was sent to President Trump's lawyers Sunday night. Not Monday morning. Not Friday evening. Sunday night. Now why would a prosecutor do that, Mr. Producer? To create as much havoc, personal discomfort, and embarrassment from a former president as possible. The government doesn't do anything on Sunday night. Doesn't do anything most nights, but Sunday night in particular. Saturday night, too. Why would they do that? Because they're nasty. They're a disgrace. They're in court arguing that they want to continue the documents case. They want that trial in December, no matter what. I hope the judge is listening. 
It's not about what the government and the prosecution wants. It's what's in the best interest of the country. A handful of these people are destroying the country and they are tearing it apart. Never before has a political party using the FBI and the Department of Justice and a phony special prosecutor gone so far as to as to indict the opposition candidate and not just indict him, but overwhelm with dozens of charges and done so in the middle of a campaign. Now he wants to do it again on January 6th. January 6th. Oh, they'll come up with obstruction. They'll dust off some old Civil War statutes and so forth. But it doesn't matter. You got almost 40 counts in the document case. God knows how many counts this will be. All they need is one count in any in any of the cases. One count. They get them on one count. And then what happens? Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Inciting an insurrection, they say, America. Inciting an insurrection, they say, Mr. Producer. Well, let me make my opening and closing comment on that to the jury. You ready, Rich? The prosecution stands here today accusing a former president who's running for president again of inciting an insurrection. So I want to ask you people a question. If you're going to incite an insurrection... Within 24 to 48 hours of that insurrection, do you on your own suggest to that head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to the Secretary of Defense, to the Chief of Staff of the Secretary of Defense, to contact the Speaker of the House and the Mayor of Washington, D.C., and offer 10,000 Armed professional reservist in the army to be available to protect the building? Is that what you do when you're plotting an insurrection? Which they turn down. Is that what they do? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, when the sitting president of the United States offers 10,000 troops armed with military weapons to protect the Capitol building, does he then encourage an insurrection? No. If you are leading an insurrection, you don't offer 10,000 troops to protect the very building that you seek to overthrow, the government you seek to overthrow, now do you? And let me say this to the members of the jury. 
Why doesn't the government present you? Why didn't it? With one, just one piece of evidence, one text message, one email, one handwritten note, in which the sitting president of the United States says, words to the effect that we will not leave the office of the presidency under any circumstances. Do whatever you have to do, including encourage our supporters to overthrow the government. Where is that piece of information, America? I don't want to hear about witnesses who've been threatened. I don't want to hear about witnesses who see their lives in front of them being destroyed for the next 20, 30, 40 years, being in prison, being threatened by the prosecution. We don't need to hear from them. Where is the physical evidence? There is none. It's a funny way to run an insurrection, don't you think? You also heard, ladies and gentlemen, because I played it as defense counsel, the part of the president's speech that the government doesn't want you to hear. They certainly don't want you to focus on it. The January 6th committee didn't play it, not even once. Where he specifically says, to go to Capitol Hill and peacefully lobby your members of Congress. How many politicians have said that before? If you are plotting an insurrection, do you do it in public? Do you say so in public? Go to the Capitol! Take it over! Charge the police! Is that what you do? Is that what he did? No, he did the opposite. He used the word peacefully. He offers the National Guard 10,000 men and women armed to the teeth in the army, and they say no. 24 to 48 hours before the so-called insurrection. He uses the word peacefully in broad daylight for the whole world to see. A strange way to whip people up into a frenzy and send them to Capitol Hill to attack police and so forth and so on. There was no insurrection. I want one other thing. You know this First Amendment that the Biden administration does not embrace? According to a federal judge in Louisiana, remember that one? Where they're monitoring the American people illegally, a million of them. Remember that? Were any of the leaders of the so-called insurrection contacted by President Trump? Did he pick up the phone and call them and encourage them to, to attack cops or to break into the building? If so, why don't they present that evidence? 
Instead, they say the speech broadly encouraged ABC, XYZ, all of whom, of course, are on the hook for decades in prison. Because he didn't. Wouldn't the January 6th committee by now tell us about it? No, he didn't. It's no insurrection. Now they show you that he delayed his response. That it was tepid when he finally gave it and so forth and so on. That has nothing to do with an insurrection. The question is whether Donald Trump was behind an insurrection. This is a statute that hasn't been used. I don't believe. Let's assume I'm right. Let's stipulate. For over 140 years. So they dust it off today. And they try and convince you to use it. Why? Because they have nothing else. Now they talk about obstructing the outcome of the election. Obstructing the outcome of the election, that's what we're doing right here as I stand here in front of you. This, this case didn't have to be brought today. It didn't have to be brought this month. It didn't have to be brought this year. It could have waited until after the election. But over here, this prosecutor, he wants to effect the outcome of the election. I don't call him an insurrectionist, but nonetheless, that's what they're doing. And he works for the candidate who's running against my client. We asked them to dismiss this case, and they wouldn't. We asked them to move it till after the election, and they said absolutely not. Because they want to interfere in the election and affect it. Effectively an insurrection. Now, as for these fake electors, that's a very, a very bizarre way of putting it. These fake electors, ladies and gentlemen, fake electors. We've had fake electors, quote-unquote, in 1960. In an election in Hawaii. The people who determine whether they're fake electors or two, two groups of electors and how do we sort this out is Congress. And I want to read to you the relevant part of the Constitution. I'm not going to do it now. Congress decides. We have members of Congress who've stood up the challenge elections in 2000, in 2004, in 2016. They wanted to throw out the votes in Ohio. Before that, they wanted to throw out the votes in Florida. Their colleagues said no. Just as Congress is free to do or not to do under the Constitution. Fake electors? Members of the House and members of the Senate of both parties, they hear the arguments, they make objections, and they decide if electors are legitimate or not, or whether to choose them. They're not blind, they're not stupid. 
So the Democrats were going to go along and vote for the Republican slate of electors in Pennsylvania or the Republican slate of electors in Michigan and say, oops, the Republicans are right. No, they would have said no. And they would have fought it. And because they still controlled the Senate, they would have won. Because under our system, it takes members of both houses to throw out electors or to approve electors. But they brought in the gentleman from The Hague, who's an expert on international law. He's an expert on it. He's an expert at bringing cases against foreign dictators. Expert. But somebody there hasn't read the Constitution. You don't criminalize these events. There's no obstruction because people challenge elections. So there's no fake electors if a party thinks in the end they're going to win or they want to try and even convince members of Congress. Don't pick those electors. Pick our electors. They're allowed to do that. They're allowed to do that. And it's not a crime when they do, which is exactly why the government has had to reach into a barrel filled with dust and filth and dirt and try and find something, anything. To use against my claim. You're not supposed to do that when you're a prosecutor. When you're in the middle of an election. When you're dealing with a former president. But they are convinced that they convince you, this jury, to find my client guilty, even on one count. Just one count. That's all they want from you. One count. They want you to go back into the room. Let's stipulate. 20 charges. They just want you to get together and say, you know, we'll just convict him on one. Now, why do they want to do that? Why are they in a hurry? Because they're the ones interfering with an election. And they want you to carry out their work for them. One charge. So they can prevent him from serving as president should the American people decide he should. That's why. I went for good measure and they want him in federal prison for the rest of his life. This case should never have been brought. It's, it's been built on threats against his lawyers, threats against his former staffers, word of mouth, thoughts, comments, arguments. And yet that's what happens in every democracy and in every meeting and, and so forth and so on. Every disagreement is not a crime. Even if you don't agree with anything that was done. Doesn't make it criminal. Even if you, in your own view, think it was wrong to consult through your lawyers or any other way. And I don't know any of these facts. I'm just suggesting. The Republicans in this state or that state, they come up with another group of electors. You don't like that. 
been done before. You still don't like it. It's not a crime. And I want you to think about the future. If I'm wrong, and you vote to convict on any of these counts, what you think about this? Where does it end? Where does it end? Politics is a rough and tumble sport. Parties contact state legislatures. They contact secretaries of state. They try and change the laws to benefit their own party. They write letters. They consult lawyers. They talk among themselves. They write emails. They write texts. Any prosecutor with the kind of resources that the government has can cherry pick this, cherry pick that, cherry pick this, cherry pick that. And next thing you know, a legal and legitimate discussion over how to battle over electors in a state, how to count ballots, how to persuade officials in a state to your point of view. can be criminalized where's the line we don't know this has never been done before and if it's done here it'll be done against democrats this is what's meant by criminalizing the political process this case should never have been brought it was resolved it was resolved by congress president trump did leave office President Trump did offer the National Guard to protect the Capitol building. He was turned down. No steps were taken. None. No actions were taken. While he was the most powerful man in the planet, while he was president of the United States, while he was commanding the armed forces, not one step was taken to prevent Joe Biden from being sworn in on January 20th. Mark. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I watched a lot of this hearing today. These whistleblowers were tremendous patriots. Democrat Party is filled with loathsome scum and just like with the FBI whistleblowers all they did was try to character assess I like this guy Roe what's his name Roe Condon who goes on Fox to pretend he's he's a moderate he's another fraud Jamie Raskin he is a Marxist just like old daddy then you have some of these radicals going on about can't use a two-tiered system of justice that's appropriating it from the civil rights movement. Ah, shut the hell up. We'll say what we want to. Speech police. But these Democrats stand shoulder to shoulder. Their boots are clicking. They're unbelievable. You know, we we have Republicans who peel off. I can't put up with this anymore. Not them. Now, most of you didn't see this. If you typically watch CNN or MSNBC, which you don't, but I'm just saying the, the general you, they didn't even run it. They censored it. Censored it. They didn't even run it. Because they don't want you to know about Joe Biden, the crook. And Merrick Garland now, ladies and gentlemen, has to be 
has to be said to be a, a mob lawyer. But I'm getting ahead of myself, which I like to do from time to time. I want to read some of the opening testimony from Ziegler, Joe Ziegler, the second IRS whistleblower who was incredibly effective in some ways more than the first. And he says in part in his opening statement, I'd recently heard an elect official say that I must be more credible because I am a gay Democrat married to a man. And by the way, that just drives the Democrats more nuts. More nuts. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. Remember a couple of those uh, independent journalists who testified and they were trashed? Remember they both said they were Democrats and they voted for Biden? Didn't matter. They, they tried to destroy them. Power, baby. Since I was raised and have always strived to do what is right, I've heard from some that I am a traitor to the Democratic Party and that I am causing more division in our society. I implore you that if you were put in my position with the facts as I have stated them, that you would be doing the exact same thing, regardless of your political party affiliation. I hope that I'm an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing as a potential cost to themselves and others. We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what was right, and I'm sitting in front of you here today. Look how he has to explain himself, the poor guy. I would like to take a minute to thank some people for their unfettered help and support. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but first off, God, for giving me the strength and courage to go through this process. My husband, who's been my rock, has put up with me and my stress, and has had to deal with his personal information being displayed on social media as part of this matter. You believe it? This is how the Democrat Party treats minorities. I don't care if you're gay, black, whatever you are. This is how they treat you. Because it's a Marxist, iron-fisted operation. They don't care about gays. They don't care about blacks. Unless they can use them. Says, I would like to address a couple of high-level arguments that have been raised against us. Gary Shapley and me. Gary Shapley's the other IRS whistleblower. Also very, very impressive. The first concerns Mr. Weiss's authority. This is this guy, David Weiss, who the Democrats in and out of the media keep saying, he's appointed by Trump, appointed by Trump. Trump appointed over 3,000 people to the federal bureaucracy. But David Weiss appoints to, excuse me, reports to Merrick Garland. And is there going to be a Republican one day who actually says that? Care who appointed him? He reports to Merrick Garland. And if Merrick Garland didn't like what he was doing, he'd be gone. Merrick Garland will never touch a special counsel against Biden. He'll do everything he can to prevent it. Because he knows that will destroy Biden and his presidency. Why do you think the Democrats kept pushing for a special counsel against Trump? Without any predicate. 
Mr. Weiss stated that he had been granted ultimate authority over this matter, but then later stressed in the same letter that his charging authority is geographically limited and that he would need to ask President Biden, appointed U.S. attorney, his Biden's appointed U.S. attorneys to uh, to partner with him in charging the case. A U.S. attorney is not free to go into another jurisdiction, period. Unless they get the written consent of the President of the United States or perhaps the Attorney General in his stead, delegated to him. He can't just go into another division or they'd be all over each other. There's 93 of them. We know that, <coughs> excuse me, we know that as recently as March 2023, even the Department of Justice Tax Division attorney assigned to the case questioned Mr. Weiss's authority and didn't know where Mr. Weiss was going to charge the, the case. Mr. Weiss stated that he was making decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution consistent with federal law and so forth. He never had the authority to go anywhere. Let's see the letter that gave it to him from Biden or Garland. There isn't one. Well, he never asked. Well, apparently, that's the issue, isn't it? And he goes on. With respect to, uh, let's see here, Hunter Biden. Under the criminal code, two key considerations in charging violations under Title 26 are willfulness and a tax loss. The criminal context, willfulness is defined as a voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. The tax loss is the monetary loss to the government. After our testimony, some have missed issues regarding whether Hunter Biden's conduct with respect to his income tax violations was willful and whether there was sufficient monetary loss to the government. He says, in early 2020, Hunter Biden unfiled, unfiled and delinquent tax returns were being prepared, which includes his 2018 tax return. During the 2020 time period, uh, let's see here, by returns uh, by Hunter Biden's own account, he was sober, newly married, and writing his memoir. Hunter Biden's accountants requested that that he signed a representation letter stating that all deductions for business purposes and were being reported appropriately. Statements Hunter Biden made in, the, uh, in this filing raise questions. Raise questions. For instance, he claimed business deductions for payments to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for a supposed drug dealer. Sex club membership falsely referenced on the wire is a golf membership. Hotels he was black that uh, he was blacklisted from and Columbia University tuition payment for his daughter. Didn't somebody go to prison for this? Yes. But he didn't even do this. And that was the CFO of the Trump organizations. Guy's like seventy eight years old. The false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his income by approximately 267000 causing a loss to the Treasury of 106000 With respect to the 2014 tax year, Hunter Biden did not report any of the money he earned from Burisma for the 2014 tax year, which would have been a tax loss to the U.S. Treasury of about 125000 
According to my previous testimony, he says Hunter Biden did not report this income to the IRS or pay tax on this source of income. He says, I'd like to make clear that the charging document from the District of Delaware, Hunter Biden was charged with failure to timely pay taxes 2016 and 2018 in excess of $100,000 for each of those years. On Hunter Biden's 2017 and 28 tax return, he reported taxes owed of 581000 and 620000 Respectfully, this tax amount for 28 would not have included the additional alleged tax due and owing from a filed false tax return. By the way, during his testimony, Ziegler, who was the point man in many of the, much of this, he said that his best calculation is based on what he had. He didn't have everything. And they weren't allowed to conduct interviews. He got one interview out of 12 that they were able to conduct. That the Bidens took in about $17 million. Think about this. With no business, no service, nothing. This is as corrupt as it gets. It is as corrupt as it gets. I mean, the most corrupt thing is, you know, maybe Chappaquiddick. But beyond that, this is as corrupt as it gets. Remember how they covered for Ted Kennedy. His testimony is very involved. It's quite long. There was other information that came out. Marjorie Teller Green, she did an excellent job. Ladies and gentlemen, Hunter Biden was buying sex across state lines. He's paying for airline flights for young prostitutes to come from Utah to Washington and so forth and so on. This is considered sex trafficking. It's considered a man act violation. The president of the United States' son. And the Democrats, they were very upset about this, weren't they, Mr. Producer? Not one of them was concerned about sex trafficking. Not one. Not one of them was concerned that Hunter Biden didn't pay his taxes. Not one. Not one was concerned about the obstruction that took place, DOG, into the IRS. Not one. They talked about Trump over and over again. They talked about how the Republicans are appropriating the term two-tier justice, and they better stop because that belongs to the civil rights movement, don't you know? So they're trying to silence them. Jamie Raskin. It's a good little Stalinist communist. This guy, Ronan, is that his name? Ron. Ro Cone. What's his name, right? Ro Khanna. Wouldn't even let the guy finish. He's grilling the guy. Guy can't finish. His sentences was obnoxious. Goes on TV. Oh, that guy's sensible. No, he's not. He's a jerk. There's a lot here. A whole lot. Listen to this. Cut one, go. I've recently discovered that people are saying that I must be more credible because I'm a Democrat who happens to be married to a man. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. The truth is, my credibility comes today from my job experience with the IRS and my intimate knowledge of the agency's standard and procedures. I was raised and have always strived to do what is right. Although I do have my supporters, others have said that I am a traitor to the Democratic Party 
and that I am causing more division in our society. I implore you to consider that if you were in my position with the facts as I have stated them, ask yourself if you would be doing the exact same thing. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. I want you to hear more from this gentleman, and I want you to hear more from Mr. Shapley. Uh, these are stand-up gentlemen trying to do their jobs, and they ran into the Biden mob family. They ran into Garland and the Department of Injustice. And they ran into a department that would not take these cases. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. You watch these hearings and your jaw hits the floor. You listen to these Democrats and you can't believe what you're hearing. What you're seeing is a revolution. What you're hearing are Marxists. The Department of Justice, the FBI, this phony special counsel, Jack Smith, believe in a two-tier justice system. With Donald Trump is the main focus right now with unprecedented investigations and charges by Democrat prosecutors all over the country. Unloading indictments left and right, charges left and right, all timed and intended to interfere with the 2024 election and cripple GOP candidates up and down the chain. Now, this is going to make it very difficult for Republicans to accept a Democrat victory in 2024 should it occur. Let me repeat that. This massive Democrat party-wide use of the criminal justice system, use of censorship and attacking the First Amendment, is going to make it very difficult for Republicans to accept a Democrat victory in 2024. I'm not encouraging this. I'm not wishing for it. I am observing what's taking place. The Biden administration, the Democrat Party, their surrogates, as well as the McConnell wing of the Republican Party, you've heard nothing from them. They sit quietly. As all this is unfolding, they do not understand. <coughs> excuse me. They do not understand what they're doing to this country. Or maybe they do, but they don't care. Meanwhile, the widespread obstruction, cover-up, protection racket, etc., of the Biden crime family, and open to the public for everyone to see at this point. Most of it isn't even covered by the media. By the same DOJ, the same FBI, and the rest. And the constant... Democrat Party racializing of everything, especially their opponents, Republicans, underscore the problem. The Democrats have already indicated they don't accept the results of the election should Donald Trump win. You've had Eric Holder, you've had Eric, uh, Adam Schiff, you've had other prominent Democrats say that if Donald Trump is elected president, they should immediately impeach him. You've got scores of radical left-wing Marxist, Democrat-aligned, phony groups 
backed by massive amounts of dark money from billionaires and millionaires who do not want to be known. Trying to prevent Donald Trump from even going on the ballot under, they claim, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And should he get elected? They're insisting that attorneys general in these states refuse to acknowledge his election. They seek a revolution. They seek a violent revolution. That's where they stand. In the meantime, this cover-up of the Biden crime family, starting with Merrick Garland, and his refusal to appoint a special counsel outside of the Department of Justice, who will look into the enormous amount of information that's coming out now, which lays not just a predicate for a criminal investigation by a special counsel, but a thousand predicates. And the media sit quiet. They do nothing. Because they know that Biden and the Democrats control the executive branch. And only the executive branch can be charged. I love to hear hosts who try to position themselves of tough guys and tough women telling Jim Jordan or James Comey, uh, uh, Comer, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? That's the problem. Congress can only do so much. Congress doesn't have the power to prosecute people. They simply don't. And the Democrats know this. Defund them, they say. I'm all for it. Where's McConnell? He's not going to support it, not one penny. He controls a third to a half of the Republican senators. And there he is, the Republican leader. These people are playing with fire. They don't care. They figured out. They figured out in 2020 that their militia, BLM and Antifa, can get away with anything. That they can do anything. Firebombing the Portland courthouse day in and day out for over two months. Mostly peaceful, of course. Violently attacking the White House. Where the president has to go to the nuclear bunker that they built under the White House. You don't hear about all them being rounded up and justice being done and all the resources the Department of Justice is expending. You have Chuck Schumer urging the Democrat Party militia to go after the Supreme Court and the justices. He doesn't pay a price for any of that. None. He's celebrated. All the norms, all the traditions are under attack and they're being destroyed. Including the next election. And certainly the FBI and the Department of Justice. And it's all one way. It's all one way. This is a dangerous game. It's a dangerous gambit. But we are in the middle of a revolution. Not ours. Not mine. Theirs.
They're telling you what language you can use. Don't use two-tier justice. From now on, I will use it incessantly. I had criticized its use because I don't think it was very descriptive. But now I do. When they tell me I can't say something, I'll say it. Not only do they tell you what you can't say, they tell you what you must say. The words you must repeat and regurgitate. Even if they don't make sense. Even if they're nonsensical. Even if the science tells you a man is a man is a woman is a man. No! You do what you're told. And then the censorship. Brilliant federal judge, a hero. Gives chapter and verse of what the Biden administration, the federal government did to you and does to us in violation of the First Amendment, the most important free speech. And he is slammed by the media. Slammed by the legal profession. And then the Biden Justice Department, which is responsible for the censorship, files an appeal with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and a three-judge panel, including at least one Trump appointee, says of the lower court's decision, Matt, stay your temporary injunction. The government is free to continue censoring until we hear the whole case. What? That's what they said. So many words. It's incredible, isn't it? This prosecutor, Jack Smith, has a long history. Long history. Of violating every ethical norm and ethical practice of a prosecutor. Because he's not a prosecutor. Any more than Beria under Stalin was a prosecutor. Not a prosecutor. It's a hitman. He's a hitman. Point him in a direction. And he'll go after you. Try and assassinate your character. Try and destroy you through the process. That's why Garland and his team of Marxist thugs chose him to be the special counsel. Could have chosen anybody else. Chose him. Is a record of abusing the system. Is a record of being reversed by courts and trial juries. He has a record of violating attorney-client privilege. Is a record of leaking to the media. Is a record of threatening witnesses. Of turning family members against each other. That's the man they pick. A hitman. An assassin. And you can see his dirty work all over the place. And I'll prove it to you. He goes into court. When Trump's lawyers say, we're filing a motion, this case shouldn't be heard until after the election. And he says, no, it ought to be heard by December. Why? What's the imperative? 
What's the imperative to have a full-scale trial in December against a former president who is running for re-election? What is the imperative? There's no statute of limitation issue. They have all the documents. There is no imperative. Unless you want to interfere with the election, which is exactly what he's doing. Don't worry, I'll get to what took place today and more. Well, let me just give you a little taste of this. You see what they did to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. today? The Democrats. His name is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. His father was Robert F. Kennedy, who was assassinated. An iconic figure, especially in the Democrat Party. This is his son, who's named after him. It just shows you what's happened to the Democrat Party. These Marxist, vile, racist, anti-Semite, American, Constitution, capitalism-hating miscreants and malcontents. They don't care. That was so long ago. No, 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 no. It's just today. And they will do anything to protect Biden. They know. They know he's on stage five of dementia. They know it. They know all this. But they also know that their agenda is being implemented by the people around him. They know that too. And they are thrilled with the destruction of this country. They're thrilled with the unraveling of our system. They're thrilled with empowering themselves, monopolizing politics. They are thrilled with their media friends who give them cover, like Pravda did, the old Soviet Union. It's all good by them. And they don't give a damn whether you accept the next election or not. Because elections to them, unless they win them, are quaint, kind of get in the way of things. They have a permanent bureaucracy that belongs to them, permanent courts that belong to them. This election thing is motions they go through. They want to completely control it so they control their outcome. Don't get me wrong. But they don't give a damn whether you like it or not. You will heal. All you insurrectionists out there, even those of you who weren't even in Washington that day, you're all insurrectionists. You're all white supremacists, even if you're not all white. You're all racists, which of course you aren't. Doesn't matter. <laughs> 